For today's episode, I'd like to highlight the work of a fantastic industry charity. The film and TV charity supports people in the UK film and TV industry at every stage of their career and beyond. From their important work on mental health, which led to the creation of the whole picture programme, and their help for crew being affected by COVID-19. If you, a member of your family or a friend who works in the industry, needs help or someone to talk to, please go to filmtvcharity.org.uk. Let's get started. Hola, film family. I'm Isusko, your host, a.k.a. The Time Scheduler. Welcome to the Film Gods podcast, which is a chat with the best of the UK film crew who make all of those beautiful moving images you watch every day. I want to give a special thanks to Island Studios for the recording space. Thank you, Mark, Mitch, Pauline, and the whole team. And wherever you're listening, I hope you enjoy. Big love. So, hello, film family. Um, another honour and a privilege to have such an established and experienced man at the other end of this computer that we're recording from. Um, when he said yes, big smile been on my face. There's so many stories that I'm sure he's not going to be able to tell us, but if I can get one out of him, we'll try our best. So, sir, what <laughs> is your name and what is your role on the call sheet? Uh, hi, my name's Jay Arthur, and I'm a first assistant director for uh, commercials, TVs, and films. And uh, yeah, that basically covers most of my life for the last 25 years or more. I think, mean, fucking hell, I'm getting old. <laughs> so what anyway. what does um being a first assistant director mean to you what is it that we do what is it that you do uh what is it i do christ almighty i've been trying to work that one out for since i started um <laughs> basically it's just i mean you know we're we're in charge first assistants we're in charge of running the floor making sure everyone's safe making sure we're all looked after and in my in my my humble opinion, make sure we will have a bloody good time doing it because um, we could be doing a hell of a lot worse jobs than, than we are doing. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I just love the job. It's uh, it's hilarious. I've done loads of other loads of other jobs in, in, on the way to it, but uh, yeah, first things seem to have uh, suited me down to the ground. So, Is it something? Do, so you said you did a few things before you came to it, industry related, or were you doing loads of other non-industry things before you kind of came into it? What's your story? What, how did I get into the business? Yeah. Jesus. Um, so what did I do? I was a, I was a failing art student for a, for a while and um, okay. found the idea of partying, clubbing and going out and generally uh, taking whatever anyone popped into my mouth. And for by far the best thing to do than actually <laughs> studying art. And um, decided to go travelling and then gave that yes. up because um, I got kicked out of a few establishments and... Um, yeah, so I ended up in Portugal lying on the beach going, what the fuck am I doing here? So I, I should probably go to England. Um, and then got a job. What did I do? Then I got a job as a costumier. So I was a costumier for a while okay. at Morris Angels. Yeah. Uh, which was my... Just so sleep. I know, costumier meaning, what does that mean? And is it... Uh... Costumier. So I was working for a large costume house, Morris Angels, and we used to get contracts in and they'd, they'd sort of say, you know, for this film we want, you know, 35, 18th century... Uh, gentlemen and women and we'd have to go through all our all our gear and try and sort it all out and pick out all the costumes so that the so mm-hmm. that the um, uh, costume uh, costume people from the film would come in and pick the clothes and we'd have pre pre-organize it for them all. How did you get in there? How did I get in there? Um, 
Was it just a random turn up? I need a job, or did you know? See, no, this is this is the problem. See, I did have. I had parents that were. My mother was in the was in TV. Yep. That's not a problem. Uh, That's all cool. Yeah. Well, it's not a it's not a problem if you accept nepotism. If there's one thing that I would ever say to myself when I was younger is, don't be so fucking proud. There's not to accept nepotism. It gets yeah. you in everywhere. It's yeah. very it's very good if you've got it. Yeah. I was an idiot and said no. So spent 15, 20 years trying to find a career because <laughs> I I couldn't get into the bloody business because I was just a bit of a flake. Um, so I ended up getting into there because, uh, how did I find out about it? I can't quite remember. Somebody, somebody, somebody suggested I should try it cause I yeah. painted a load of costumes. So there you go. So I did that. And also I was a bit of a neuromantic at the time. So I used to, I used to wear cloaks and oh, so loads of makeup. Oh, fuck yeah. I look great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I looked yeah. amazing. I used to go, you see a clubbing in cloaks and baggy trousers and pixie boots and fluffy shirts with frills yeah. and all that shit. So it's I thought charming. they'd get yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yes. Yeah, I'm a bit more, a bit more of a sort of early goth, I think, probably. Okay. And, um, yeah. And so, so how so long were you there? I was there for about a year, I think. Mm. It was my sleeping job, basically. I used to go out clubbing in the evening. I'd nick all the clothes from the from the costumes, <laughs> go out clubbing, and then uh, turn up at work the next morning covered in makeup and looking absolutely shit, and um, and and then crawl into one of the basement storage rooms with all these costumes and sleep for the most of the day and get over get over the night before and then go back out again in the evening so yeah it didn't last long after a while they, <laughs> after a while they sussed, <laughs> they sussed on it. Yeah, I, yeah yeah i was i was uh, asked politely to leave um at which so point you went i'm gonna be a first ad <laughs> no at which point no god no there's a long way to that and uh, so after that i decided that i i wanted to be a sound engineer so i became a sound engineer in recording studios or a tape op mm-hmm. did that for a bit um, again, that was mostly to do with my nocturnal life. So, uh, you know, I'd turn up, I'd rock in at work at about four, the band would turn up about six in the evening and then we'd work through till three or four in the morning and then go home and I'd sleep and then to get up just in time to watch Neighbours, nice. um, at one o'clock. So that was my, that was my, that was my life for about another <laughs> year. Just constant <laughs> night shoots. Yeah. And then, and then what happened? And then a mate of mine was in a band called The Levelers. Okay. Um, who uh, I said, oh, I'll direct one of your videos. So I got sick of being stoned in recording studios and thought I needed to see the daylight every now and again. Yeah. So, um, so uh, ended up uh, conning some some record exec that I was the best person to direct their music video, having never directed anything before in my <laughs> life. I'd done I'd done stills photography, but that was about it. Did and, you have um, a passion convinced... for for the moving image? If you or was it just something you thought, oh, I'll just give it a go, or did you always kind of go, oh, I quite like like the idea of making a moving picture i always i had a I had a passion for the process i mm. and i and i thought i had a skill at um compiling images and, and getting things together i think actually i was possibly slightly overplayed on my part <laughs> <laughs> but you got I the think, job I mean, it's, that, it's that point where ego kicks in and you go yeah i'm fucking great at this i can do this this is yeah. brilliant i love this i can make films and then suddenly you, you become a director with music videos and go, oh my god, this is a, this is a nightmare. Mm. Um, I so spent... were you telling people like, was it a full crew? Were you there? Did they... yeah, yeah, no full full crews. Yeah, we, I think I did. I don't know how many I did. Probably seven or eight. Not many. Probably actually no, probably more than that. About ten or ten or eleven music videos for different bands. A lot of them for the Levelers. Did a lot of the Levelers early videos. Yeah. Um, and then loads of other bands. And it got okay, and I was getting better at it. I mean, yeah. it was sort of like. But I had the sleepless nights of like lying there trying to work out what the 
what the story was going to be and how I was going to put it together. And I think I was a bit too literal and I, I did, so it wasn't my kind of thing. I, I'm, I'm far better at working collaboratively sort of mm. as part of a team. Yeah. I think relying on my own imagination is either horribly dark and twisted, um, which if you're a David Slade, if you're a David Slade type director, it's fine, you can get away with it. Yeah. If you're a kind of fluffy looking hippie like I was at the time, it's, it doesn't really, I don't know, it just didn't really cut it. No. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I had that and then so I was doing directing and then I had a friend come over from America who was um, quite a well-known, well-respected director. And uh, I was recommended by another, by one of my producers who said, um, you should go first for this guy. So I went from having done a bit of, having done a bit, little bit of theatre. You've gone the backwards route. You've yeah, yeah. <laughs> having, done, having, having, done, having done a little bit of, little bit of theatre lighting, a little bit of stills photography, been a costumer, been a sound engineer, um, uh, to video directing, a couple of commercials, but video directing mostly, to my producer going, you should go firsting. And I remember turning around to him and saying, uh, I don't really like first ADs. They're a real pain in the ass, and they're just—they're <laughs> just like you know. Sorry, guys, but you know that's the way it happens. And it was, and he said, "No, no, no, you'd be fine. You'd be fine." And I got a job with this guy wow. who came over from the states. First thing for him, didn't have a bloody clue. As probably half the crew who are watching this will guarantee that I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> but. But you know, I loved it. It was great. It was suddenly there that I, I kind of everything sort of clicked. Everything mm. sort of fell into place, and I learned uh, I learned by trial and fire as to what my actual job was. Having yeah. wow. not worked my way up at all, and I, I wasn't. I was never a runner. I think I ran once for Griffin. So Griffin, if you remember, if you're watching this, if you remember the what was it? It was Brian Ferry. Brian Ferry job. It was a Brian Ferry job with Griffin Firsting. And it was the first ever running job and the last running job I ever did. Was this before or after you were directing? Uh, whilst I was directing. Wow. So whilst you were just like, I'm just doing it all. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. One day I'll tell yeah. you what shot I want. The next day I'll make it for <laughs> tea. I just wanted to learn. I was really keen yeah. to learn. I mean, when you get thrown in as the director, thinking you know everything, you suddenly realise you don't. And then it was like, fuck, I need to learn about this. This is, this is mm. so I had to learn about lenses and learn about camera and learn about everything else. Um, and yeah, so Griffin was the, Griff was the only, was the only person I've ever worked for, I think, that was, wow. as a runner. Um, I think I was terrible. <laughs> I've got a distinct feeling that if, if, if Griff even remembers, <laughs> I was awful. Well, we were all terrible <laughs> on our first running day, you know, and it's like, if you didn't get, if you didn't get the chance to become a good runner, don't worry about it, it's fine. You got, you're a director. They just wanted to, yeah, you know. Well, you know, it was one of those things. But yeah, so, so yeah, through... So, so from years of doing countless, countless sort of uh, late nights uh, as a first, I kind of learned what I was learned what I was doing. It was kind of it was it was a fun time at the, at the time. It was all I mean, everybody was. It was massively chaotic at that particular point. Anyway, I mean, it was. A what huge, era are we talking? If you don't mind me asking. Sort of late eighties. Okay. Early nineties, I think mm -hmm. it was about that to that kind of time, and it was a massively hedonistic sort of just 
just lunacy half the time. I mean, they were just, they're, I mean, there are, you know, as I said before, there are lots of stories. And most, <laughs> if I change the names and change the substances and change everything about it, it doesn't become a story yeah. anymore. So if um, it just becomes Mr. Orange is drinking chamomile. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't really work. <laughs> and there's a lot of very sensible people out there who, um, yeah, who I've probably got a lot of shit on, but they've got an equal amount of shit on me. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it kind of, the the normal come in, work for free, become a runner, work your way up, just didn't apply to you. And did it, did you ever kind of feel like that there was ever that kind of, I wish I had done a little bit more of this or that? Or were you just like, fuck it, I'm a director and now I want a first, I'm going to first. And if I want to produce, I'll do that next week. Was that, is it quite a confident? Oh, no, God, no. I Yeah, every single day of my life for the first, I mean, to be honest, probably for the first, five or six years which is you know probably about normal for you to actually learn your trade yeah yeah especially as a first i mean i think you need wow yeah you probably need you probably need four or five years to learn your trade and mm. every single job for the first four or five years i'd turn up completely shitting myself and have to bluff it and just try and get through and it wasn't until it wasn't until i actually started doing things where i go oh actually i think i know what i'm doing now mm. and that, i think that was probably last year <laughs> I think probably possibly last year maybe yeah end of last year just before Christmas end of last year, I thought, holy shit they're still paying me to do this this is ridiculous this is mad I mean yeah I mean it's not I'm I, I wish I had learned a lot more I wish I had gone through the process and I can appreciate now having done it the way I did I can appreciate now or I have been able to appreciate for a very long time, yeah. but there is a definite, there's a definite massive advantage in, um, in working your way up. I mean, I think the only thing for me that really made me stick at it was going straight into firsting. It was one of those moments where I just went, oh, hang about. This is what I think I, I want to do, and this is what I'm actually good at. Mm. I was always very... I was incredible. I mean, as a, as a sort of an early proto goth, I was, I fulfilled all of those sort of criteria of being incredibly shy, um, very sort of reserved. Didn't really want to get involved. In I mean, I'm still a bit antisocial. I don't I don't really. I'm not a massive party goer. I mean, I am given yeah. the right circumstances. So this lockdown um, is perfect for you. Yeah, like I'm still. Yeah, I fucking love it. I think, <laughs> great. I absolutely fucking love it. It's like, I don't have to talk to anybody. It's amazing. Apart from you, you bastard. Um, <laughs> But, but no, I know you're locked in a house. You can't say no. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember there, there was a point. There was a point where I suddenly went, "Oh no, actually, no, I can do this, and I quite enjoy this." And it was a couple of years in. I'd um, I was doing a music video for a director, and he'd come up with this idea where we were going to put two people um, basically uh, having sex, but. Or ostensibly having sex, yeah, yeah. but in a very, very public area. I think we, I think we ended up doing it on um, as a Trafalgar Square or Marble Arch oh, or something wow. like that. And we had four or five hidden cameras all around mm. the place. And this couple just walk in. It's like it was like what, what's now probably a flash mob type deal, or that that mm. sort of spontaneous thing happens, and everyone watches it and wonders what's going on. Um, and we were so this couple was supposed to walk in. They get to a the middle. They meet. They start talking, they kiss, and then they start undressing themselves right in the middle of this, of this very, very public area. And he wanted to film it and then film all the reactions of everybody else around them and see what it was. This was years and years ago. Mm. 
So we're on a recce and we're trying to find somewhere. And he says, right, okay, and this is me. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with it, it's all right. But it's still underneath this, underneath this sort of very, very thin veneer of, uh, of a first AD. I'm an incredibly shy, sad old goth who just wants to cuddle up in a dark room with a black cat and with, be surrounded by candles and listen to the cure. <laughs> and that was it, and that's all I wanted to do. So there I am standing in the middle of this very, very public area. And the director goes, right, okay, fine. So. We just want to test this out, see what happens. So if you can, um, if you can just stay where you are, I'm going to cross over the road and what? keep out of the way. Give it about 30 seconds, then I want you to fucking lose it. Just go completely and utterly mental. Act like a lunatic. Scream, <laughs> shout, go mad. Start taking your clothes off, and we'll just see what the reaction is of people around you. Okay. He walks across, <laughs> he walks across, he walks across the road, and I'm sitting there like, I mean, if you, I mean, if, you if, if, if anybody watching was ever a goth and ever did that whole thing, you could imagine what that felt like. He walks away and I'm suddenly having to, on my own, with nobody oh, around, God. having to lose it. And I thought, shit, this guy's paying me. He's paying me to do this. I have to do this. There's no, there's no two ways about it. So I think it was somewhere in the middle. I think we were looking at somewhere in Deptford High Street on a Saturday afternoon. It was like fucking wow. crammed. Crammed, yeah. And, um... Unlike nowadays, it'd be yeah, empty no. now. I'd be fine. Now I can do it. I'll do it. I'll do it in the middle of Oxford Street today. It'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, so there I was, and I, yeah, I did. I went absolutely loopy and ripped all my clothes. Well, not all my clothes, but ripped all my clothes off and stood in the stood in the street, screaming, shouting, going mad. And he came over and went, "Oh yeah, no, that's great. It's going to work really, really well." Some of the actions were great. And I was sitting there going, "Oh, can I put my clothes back on again now?" <laughs> <laughs> So it was kind of at that point I suddenly went, oh shit, yeah, I think this is for me. I quite enjoy this. It's yeah, laughs. the craziness. So that was like, sounds like a fairly strong lightning bolt. That's like, a, I'm in the right place here. Even though you felt yeah. uncomfortable, it was like, it was still, I guess it sounds like all the jobs that you'd had, they were like, they were easy to do. You could kind of get away with not really doing much. But in that first thing, there's nowhere really to hide. I think that's it. I mean, for me, a lot of it is, Sorry, I'm smoking. And I've actually given up cigarettes. I used to smoke 40 a day. When, in the days when you could smoke in studios, I'd be standing there, me and the director, with a puddle of fucking dog ends around us, all standing there with just mountains of ash. Anyway, so um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so yeah, lightning bolt moment. Yeah, I mean, it, is, it kind of was. I mean, it was, it, was, it was that point at which I realised that I don't really have the ego or the um i don't really have the sort of narcissistic sort of edge that i think you need as a director and that's not there's not a criticism of directors at all you just need it you need to have that ability to to say without a shadow of a doubt this is what i want to do this is mm. going to be the best even if it's not even if it ends up being shit, doesn't matter you've got to have that vision you've got to have that drive to be able to to be a director and i just didn't have that at all i just i didn't have the confidence to be able to do that but what I did have and what I did love was working with people and trying to come up with ways in which they can get what it is they want. I mean, I love, I love directors giving me some horrendous job, like some awful job where you've got you know, thousands of people or some horrible technical feat that they have no idea how to do it. And so, so how are we going to do, achieve that? And then the challenge then of me having to come up and think creatively Within a within a within a within a construct, I think is mm. that's the thing for me is that you've been given definite parameters with which to work, um, and then you can be. I feel a hell of a lot more creative and a lot more able to to bring everything that I can do to it. And I enjoy working, and I enjoy letting people, you know, getting the best out of other people. 
um, I'm shit with a blank piece of paper. Give me a blank piece of paper and it's horrendous. I was looking at it and going, well, I can, I can, I can, I can do a poo and I can draw a, <laughs> a cat. smiley face and, and that's, that's it. Yeah, I'm out. I'm done. Like, that's yeah. it. But I want something beautiful. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, can you, can you give, me, give, me some, give, me, give me some confines to work in and then I can create something amazing. But, so, yeah, so it was, it was just one of those moments where I suddenly went, actually, no, this is it. And also the fact that I realised I can act. I am a shit actor. I am the worst actor. In front of camera. Absolutely awful. Oh, terrible. When yeah. you're reading lines in, when you're reading lines in for, <clears throat> for a cast, there's that awful thing where it's very difficult as a first, because sometimes you have to read lines in. They're just, you know, there's yeah. arts aren't available, they're not there, or it's other a telephone conversation, or various reasons why you have to read the lines in. Um, and it's that awful thing of, do you try and act and sound like an actor when you're reading somebody else's lines? Mm. But, number one, you've got to be good at it. So, you know, I'm not. So and that's pretty, that's pretty shit. Um, or do you just give it to them flat so that they, so they know the words and they can react? The problem with it is if you try and act, if you try and act, then they will bounce off your acting. Yeah. So how they, how they respond to you in, and how they respond in the edit may not necessarily match the person who, who they should be talking to because their acting is going to be different from yours. So there's that fine line. You've got to try and give something so that they don't feel completely flat, but not overact. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, so, you know, there, there's a whole, there's a whole skill to how you act. But me personally acting is awful. But what I do do and what I do feel is that is, you know, being, being a first AD is an act. When I walk on set, then I am JR from the first AD. When I call rap and that's the end of the day, I go back into my old goth self and want to get back in my car as quick as possible and bugger off because there's, there's this whole sort of paranoid, eyelinered, fucking nail polish wearing goth who desperately wants to go home and hide <laughs> in the corner somewhere. But during the process of the day, I'm loving it. It's great. It's, uh, you know, it's, it sort of gets me out of myself. So. And do you, is, there a, is there a format that, you naturally gravitate towards because you prefer it do you love the 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 craziness of a promo the shortness of a commercial the long format because there is acting what have you done it all have you been there have you worn the t-shirt and if so what's your where where's your heart lie um i think i mean it's it's kind of developed with age i mean there was a there was a time where it was just promo you know promo world and that was it it was all music videos non-stop music videos mm. and that was mad and that was all the hedonistic youth and that was um just everybody i mean just everybody just being total, <laughs> total lunatics and doing some crazy stuff and you learn you i mean i learned a hell of a lot from that because it was always commercials and commercials and and um and music videos they were always the new toys. So whatever the latest toy was that was to do with the film business when it came out, new bit of kit, new rig, motion control rigs, whatever it was, they were always out on the commercials floor way before they were ever anywhere near a drama. Mm. So you learnt a lot about, about new kit and the new experiences. But you'd also work, you know, from eight in the morning till three in the morning and then get in your car and drive to the next location, sleep for an hour and a half in the car and get out and start another another music video the next day. So you'd be, wow. you know, I mean, the amount of times in a week where I'd be going from music video to music video, literally driving my car to the next set because I'd have time to go home and kipping in the car and then getting up and doing another full, you know, 18 hour day. Um, it was quite a lot. I mean, there's a lot of us. There were, there were a few of us at the time who were doing the same sort of thing. Um, and we were all back to back 
lunatics. And um, it was, I mean, it was good fun. It was great fun. But yeah, I mean, do I, what, so what am I, I don't know. I mean, now, to be honest with you, I just love watching actors. Mm. Love watching actors. Love, so the, 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 I think it's that one of those things that the, you're, you're, the, the admiration of something that I know I just don't have in me and the, the ability for an actor to, to bring a character to life and watch that is quite incredible. I mean, it's just some, some actors I work with have just been amazing. They walk on set, they say hello to all the crew, they do their thing, they go through water and makeup, they come out, they ask what's going on, we block the scene and everything's fine. And then they literally walk on set and give a performance. You go, holy shit, I had no idea, no idea what that person was like until, you know, that character, I don't know what mm. that character was like until they walked in. Look at my phone, dear. So yeah, I mean, I think I think nowadays I prefer I prefer watching you know being being in the, the drama format and film and TV area where where you're you know, surrounded by you know very talented actors. Does it does the prep for a for a drama differ from promos and commercials? Is it? A, um, does it differ? Well, I guess <laughs> I guess for yeah. I know, I know, you know, I, I know the answer to it. And I think I'm for, for film, for the film students, it's like, well, they might just think it's all the same, but in, and in the commercials, it's like, it's storyboards. Whereas in a, in the drama, you got your script. Have you got little processes that you pass on to those future ADs that little tidbits that you've learned when you're, when you're breaking a script or when you're doing something in prep for features? Uh, breaking to break scripts and doing something for features um, or dramas or whatever you know just a longer format yeah I mean or is it too much to, is it too long winded I think, it's, to I think, I think a lot of it is for me anyway a lot of it is um, as I've learned over the years anyway uh, just knowing the scripts I mean that's the, the first thing for me is just really getting into the script and understanding the scripts and understand trying to understand how I mean, it's quite crucial for me, not necessarily straight away, but it's quite crucial for me to understand what the director wants and how he sees it. And also have, a, have to some extent, a vision of your own of how you see it. But partly, um, you know, harking back to my director days, I never was a very good one, but I mean, mm. you, how you see something working and how you see the process working. So you have an idea in your head. And then once you've got that, then obviously going through the, the age-old tedious process of breaking it down into movie magic and, and working out all your scenes. And that's just a laborious process, but you've got to do that. And not letting anybody else do your schedule is a major thing that I've learned over the years. Oh, really? You just don't learn. If you, yeah. if, you, if you do, I mean, for me anyway, if, I, if, if you walk onto a set or you walk into a situation where a producer's done a schedule, you can get very lazy. Um, I mean, you try not to, I mean, I try not to, uh, but you can get very lazy and you miss things because somebody else has broken that script down for you. Um, so they've gone through it. They've done all their, they've done a breakdown. So some, sometimes that happens when you're walking onto, when you walk into a, onto a new project, somebody would have already done the budget, they would have done the schedule, they would have broken it down and they go, here you go, this is what we're working to. And at that point I just have to go, right, okay, fine. That's great. I don't want to look at it. Um, you brought me in. I just want to go through the scripts on my own. I want to redo, redo my own breakdown and start again from scratch. Because if you, if I don't do that, then I don't absorb all the detail that I need that I need to yeah. absorb to make sure I know the job and I know what mm. I'm doing. Um, there's, you know, the initial, the initial for me, the initial sort of week and a half, two weeks of 
breaking down a script, reading a script, breaking down a script and your initial talk to the director are the most important time. Then after that, it's a matter of playing chess with, with your hands tied behind your back and a blindfold on, to, <laughs> trying, to, trying, to work out, trying to work out the actual schedule. I mean, it really is because, you know, you, you set something up that you think works perfectly. And then obviously they throw in, you can't do that on that day and the actor's not available here. And you've only got until five o'clock on this day or her for, for, you know, for this, this period of time. So you do, you know, you end up with it. You start with the most, the most successful, beautiful schedule that gives you all the days. And the producer goes, no, you're going to do it in 10 days less with half the people and with, um, you know, and with no lighting and with, you know, so you just go, oh, oh shit, yeah. okay, so you start again. So that's just a constant process of changing. And that's quite exciting when that can be, that is, it's like, it is like, it's like playing chess with yourself. And it's quite, it's, it can be, it can be uh, tediously boring, but also quite exhilarating at the same time. So you've got, I think you've got to enjoy logistics. You've got to enjoy thinking of creatively about how to, how to make this thing work. Um, I have no idea what I've just been talking about. Actually, <laughs> no, that's good. It's perfect. Cause, <laughs> because I, I was going to like, what you had just been talking about, I, I kind of, my question in my head that I wanted to ask was, you've done all the, you've broken down all the scripts, you've done the, those schedules. Earlier you mentioned about kind of love being part of a team player. How important on a drama then is having your, a second and a, and a team around you to, because I guess if everything's changing, you can't just do a full day's work and then break the, you know, do a new schedule at the end of the day. So on a drama, how, how important is that team around you to be able to make sure that everything gets done in that day? Oh God! I mean, they're incredibly. I mean, if, you know, second AD, second AD is, as somebody said yesterday, when we were we were all talking um, online, and um, uh, who was it? I can't remember who it was now. Dan Gibling, I think, said um, he, his his second described the AD team as the as the uh, the daddy, the mummy, and uh, the teenage kids, and the and the and the babies. And it's sort of, you know, your runners are the babies, your, your thirds and things are the teenagers. You've got mummy who's the second and daddy is the first. And it's kind of, that kind of is sort of almost a perfect analogy to, to how it works. You can't do anything without your, without your seconds. I mean, they, they're, well, I can't think they're crucial because mm. a good second who's on board with you and can cover you, cover you when, when things are, you know, when the shit hits the fan, they're there for you and they can, and they can back you up. They know what's going on, um, and a good third that does the same thing. We all work as a team. So, like, you know, if if, if ever the, the, my second gets in any issues, and there's problems, they know they can come to me and say, "Look, Jay, we've got a bit of an issue here. This is going to happen. This is going to cause a delay. This and this is going to happen." So that you know ahead of time what the problems are. Mm. So you're not shouting and screaming at each other. Hopefully, I mean sometimes that happens, but not very rarely, I hope. Yeah. But um, you know, you're not shouting and screaming at each other because you haven't spoken. You, there should, but for me, it's important. There's a constant dialogue. I love knowing. It's like with third ads, third ads and runners have this amazing ability to stand around. Uh, not necessarily first, but certainly, certainly uh, set pas and runners have this amazing ability to stand around the tea table and listen to all the other members of the crew who are pottering around, talking about oh bloody oh I did this and oh last night I had this happened or whatever. Oh, oh god, I can't believe we're doing this because blah blah blah. I almost insist that any of the background chat. I, I, I love hearing about all the moaning and bitching that goes on behind, behind set. Primarily, not because I'm, well, I know I am, I am nosy. <laughs> 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 let's, not, let's not deny the fact I love it. Yeah, yeah. That, is, that is true. But primarily because 
as much information that I can get off my team mm. about how the crew are feeling and what's going on and who's doing what and you know who's just left their wife or wife's left them or husband's walked out or whatever it is any of the any of the emotional issues that are going on it enables me to work the team well and be aware of personally because you know people much though people say you know you shouldn't bring your personal life to work you can't help it you do no you can't so and it's important to know how your how your crew are feeling and how you know mm. how they're dealing with day-to-day -day life how things are affecting them and then you can then help them not necessarily by pointing it out and being very obvious about it but mm. knowing their you know people how people are thinking it helps you then move the day along and help things help things work because you've got an insight into what's going on with them so you know it's it, it, for me my team is is crucial and they you know, as, as much as I can, I try and sometimes I'm not great. I'll, I'll admit it. But I mean, <laughs> and that dissemination of, it, of information, I'd much rather give everybody as much information as I possibly can so yeah. that they know what's, they know exactly what's going on. And, um, and if they don't, if they don't know, then I insist that people, people just come up and ask me a question. So the biggest, biggest thing for me with runners is that they're scared to, to approach me as mm. the first. And I find that really that's really upsetting because I don't I don't quite know where that comes from. So hopefully I don't. Hopefully it's I an don't inherent thing. Like I, I'm a fairly confident type person, but when I first started running, you because it's you. My opinion, just an opinion, is that you've just come out of that school mentality. So you've just been yeah, told yeah. for for your whole life there's a headmaster. You kind of yes sir no sir. You just get done what you've done, and then when you go on to set that kind of first AD is the not the teacher but it's that person that is telling you what to do so you kind of don't want to go up and you go oh did you watch that film last night because you're like well he's too fucking busy he's not good you can't have a <laughs> you know what i mean it's like i shouldn't and you, yeah, and you can't, not, I, mean, I should know what's happening that's that that was my I might, yeah i might draw the line on them on, on guys coming to me and telling me <laughs> did i watch that film last night when i've got like 10 million things going into my head and they're like they're like well, you're not. Doing, it's like a typical, typical grip thing. I mean, I love grips, and some some of my best friends are grips. Yeah. Um, but, but, <laughs> but you know, the typical sort of crew thing is like, all oh, you've got is a fucking walkie-talkie. You don't need to. It's like, mate, if you if you were in my head for more than about ten minutes, you would understand. It's, it's freak it's, out. It's an, in here is a nightmare. You know, <laughs> what what I'm doing outside is hopefully relatively calm. Mm. Sometimes I sometimes I, I I I look worried, and sometimes I I react, but. You know, I try and give out a relatively calm and humorous uh, exterior, but what goes on in your head as an AD is just constant, constant churning through every single permutation of anything that we're doing mm. to see if there's a better way, an easier way, a, you know, to, a way to get exactly what the director wants rather than trying to fudge through. You're constantly, constantly thinking. But I think the thing that I mean is, with runners is, and I had it in the States, and it's a very big thing with America, and it drives me absolutely spare and is this sort of yes yes sir mentality and i've done a why but america is particularly bad at it where you know you make you're working in the states and you're you ask a, a pa to go and do something or you ask your second to go and do something or your third or whoever it doesn't matter yes sir yes sir right away sir yes sir right away sir and then you turn around and they're not doing anything you go well hang about i thought i asked you to yeah. Yeah, no 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 right away sir right away sir and they run off and then you turn around you know 15 20 minutes later to go okay so where's all that stuff about oh uh yes sir um uh yeah it's just it's like did you actually understand what i said to you uh well uh, no not exactly so it's like look at the point that i talked to you and i asked you to do something yeah if you don't understand or you don't know 
There is no shame and I will feel no worse for you for asking me because number one, I might have totally talked absolute bollocks, which I'm quite <laughs> capable of. So I may have made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. So that's fine. That's fair enough. Yeah, just call me Secondly, out. Secondly, if you don't know, there's no point in trying to hide it. I mean, no. I don't mind that you don't know. That's fine. It's, like, it's totally fine. You can be any member of crew. I don't care. If you don't understand or you don't know what's being asked of you, just ask me to, be, to explain it. Mm. And that's perfectly okay. And that's one thing that I, that, that I definitely try and instill in all, all anybody is with me. It's just if you've got a question that is relevant, yeah. you know, it's relevant to what I'm doing because my brain space is that, it's yeah, yeah. to some extent. It's like, you know, but if you've got a question, come and ask me because I don't mind. And if I can't ask you answer at that particular point, then Bohm is, you know, ask me again. I'll just say, like, okay, not, not in a minute, but in a minute I'll explain to you what's going on or I'll tell you exactly what I wanted. And I think that's something that, that is that's crucial with your teams. I think you just you know you can't you can't be as a first. I don't think you can be one of those people that holds on to information. I think there are certain people in some situations, not first ads necessarily, but people in life who like acquiring knowledge, and then by retaining that knowledge, think they have some power over other people. I'm really not that interested in having power over people. It doesn't it's, it doesn't turn me on. It doesn't particularly. I've never really been into into S&M or anything like that so I don't I don't enjoy don't enjoy the whole <laughs> don't enjoy the whole dominatrix number. Yeah. it's fine you know I'm quite happy I'll quite happily just let let all all my you know all my knowledge or whatever or whatever I know about the project yeah. just go to everybody else because yeah. only by doing that and by spreading the, the information and you know telling people what's going on that we're ever going to get this bloody day finished and I'm going to get home and have a glass of wine otherwise I'm otherwise we're there otherwise we're yeah, there forever yeah, yeah yeah Nice. Uh, Again, so, I'm talking shit. I have no, no idea it's, what it's I'm, great. I told I'm you that 45 out. minutes will fly. We've nearly done a 45. <laughs> so um, at this point, I'd probably kind of say, have you got, if you were to give your, your younger self some advice, and I don't know, at whatever point you would want to give it, up to you, what would you say? And at what point would it be? Would it be when you'd been directing, when you were at the costume? What, what would be your advice and, and for when? Um, <laughs> when would I give that advice? I mean, there's a lot of times in my life I should have given myself some serious advice. Um, I think when I was 16, uh, there is a theme going on with this, all right? And I apologize for the theme, but you know, I was it was hedonistic days. I mean, there was you know, there was it was hey, the you know, you gotta speak the mid truth. 80s, it was yeah. mid 80s, and I lived in fucking Croydon and 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 like you know, it was, oh wow, it was, you needed uh, drugs if you're in Croydon, so you needed you know. I would probably suggest to my 16-year-old self that taking the acid was not a great idea. Um, not because it did me any harm. It's just because yeah. I fucking loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it was too good. <laughs> um, yeah, this probably isn't doing my career any favours at all, actually, this, this, this whole conversation. Anyway, um, so that was, that's probably one, one episode because then, uh, then I was lost in the wilderness for about, six years seven years living did in you know what you wanted to do at that point in your life though yeah you know? um uh did i know what i wanted it's like a lot to of people make some make some stranger or different choices when they're at a point where they're like i don't really know what i want to do and that dude over there looks like he's got he's having a great time i'm just going to follow him um I kind of, I kind of sort of knew, I, kind, I sort of knew that I needed to work as a team. I, I kind of had that 
inkling in the back of my mind, so I didn't mm. really know where. And I sort of tried theatre and I tried, tried various other things and I knew that that was, I was better at that sort of situation. I, I preferred sort of teamwork and having people around me. Um, and I know, I mean, I knew I had a love for film in general, but uh, at the time it was quite difficult. There was, it was sort of pretty closed shop at that point. It was, yeah. it was kind of a hard business to get into. Um, unless you had nepotism, unless you, unless you had a way in. Mm. It was quite a difficult business to get into. And I didn't really know where I sat. I, I think I probably wanted to, ideally would have wanted to have been an art director or something like that, probably, mm. ultimately. But um, you ended up directing, that, you know. But I ended up directing. Yeah, no, how can you do? Um, <laughs> so there was that. And what else was there? There was, what else, what other points were there? Oh, the other thing is probably, yeah, I mean, uh, Probably when I was about, uh, oh God, yeah, shit, yeah, a bit of advice I should have given myself. I was about twenty-five, and I could have bought could, could have bought a flat in Islington for fifty grand. Nice. And again, I was, I was, you know, I was having too much fun. Yeah. I was enjoying myself too much. I just thought, oh God, who the hell wants to buy a? Who wants to have a mortgage and have all that crap around your shoulders and all that debt and all the rest of it? I could go partying, so I just went out party <laughs> should have bought should have bought the flat i think that flat's worth probably about two or three million now so i mean it's like it would have been oh yeah i mean total total cock up i should have, i should have bought the flat i wouldn't you know i wouldn't be able to do that uh and learning how to learning what learning what tax is about that would have been a good one financial wisdom financial yeah having the financial mouse yeah, nice. to know what to do with my money that is a major yeah. importance any especially in this business anybody who gets in this business one of the biggest things i would advise you to do is at least get a vague knowledge of what the hell you're doing with your money mm. because i i mean i i mean even now even now i'm still i'm still sort of trying to work out what the hell yeah. happens with my money well that's i, mean, that's, I, I was talking we ha i had this exact same conversation with someone back when we were working <clears throat> and on set and they put me onto two books and it was rich dad poor dad and the simple path to wealth or something and and it's the the rich dad poor dad was very much a um, was just an eye opener for me because we're just not taught finances at school. We just yes, you taught maths and you know Pythagoras, yeah, yeah. but actually, what's that going to do for your day to day when you need to be able to know your tax and investments and things like that? So yes, I, you know, they're not taking acid and buy a flat in Islington. Those ships have passed for me. I've, I've never done acid and I'm, I'm never going to be able to afford a sh in Islington. But the advice on <laughs> of financial, you know, financial savviness and that. Yeah, I'm actually doing a, I do like a, a monthly newsletter, like a right. thing and all the rest of it. And this this week's is going to be, this month's is going to be about that. It's going to be about just make sure if you're going to get into this industry that you have some sort, yes, because it's a creative, beautiful place that we work in. But actually when it boils down to it, it's a business and you are your director of your, you know, of your world and you've got to know what you're doing and sort yourself out, yeah. so you know. I mean, it is. I mean, that's that's one. Uh, that's probably probably the largest bit of advice I think I'd give anybody getting into mm. this business is just be aware that you know that you are earning a living. It is a fucking amazing job. I mean, it really is. I I I and I absolutely love it. I don't I don't I have no idea what else I would be doing if I wasn't doing this. Um, I just love working with the people. I love doing the jobs. And I love I love everything about it, and um, I get such a kick out of it every day. Just getting up to go to work to go fuck. This is amazing. This is something. This is, and I'm still constantly amazed they're paying me. But when they do pay you, it would be really nice to have known 
what to do with the money. I mean, I yeah. just, just, I just never, I never got that whole. Maths was never my strong point. When I was a kid, they took me out of they took me out of maths and put me into the art class so I could draw Phoenician fucking fishing boats and God knows what else. And seriously, no nice. word of a lie. I I I I spent one whole term painting and um, and drawing rather than doing maths because my um, my maths teacher said Jay is rubbish at maths. He will never be any good. And uh, he comes from an artistic family, so we don't see the point in teaching him anything. It's like, no, I come from an artistic family, so please, for please God's help sake, me. teach yeah. me about Because <laughs> that's the worst thing. It's like anybody yeah. else comes from any other normal family. They may have some understanding. My parents, my dad particularly, love him to death. And my dad's particularly not a clue. Mm. No idea about what to do with money. And I learned everything I know from him. It's like no Thanks, idea. Dad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had, you know, great time, brilliant childhood. It was all really good fun, and have enjoyed my life. But God, I could have done with some, you know, some financial advice as to what to do. Nice. So, yeah. Well, so that was that. Probably it. We're getting close to the forty-five. So, is there any? Are you joking? I haven't said anything. Uh, no, we've just we've gone. It's done. It, there's forty-five minutes. So, last question. Any. Yeah people or projects that you want to give a shout out to anyone doing anything any organizations um i think i mean there's loads of there are loads of very good sorry there are loads of very good um worthy causes out there which i back 100 percent. but i think the the two people or the two groups of people that i think are doing an amazing job at the moment uh, one a big shout out to warden de fresnes who um Roddy, big shout out uh, yeah. Who uh, has uh, started up and carried on with the um, It's a Rap Party, which I think is uh, just a, a highlight of the year for everybody in the commercials world. Yeah. And he, he does a great job and all the guys that work on that. And, you know, they're all old friends and we've all gone through those those um, full on hedonism of the uh, early 90s and, and 90s. And, uh, yeah, we're... Uh, they're they're a sort of bunch that are, that are dearest to my heart. I think in the, yeah. in the, in the whole film world, we're all film warriors. As Barry Wasserman, another great great yes. first day, he was amazing. I love Barry. Um, so uh, yeah, so Rawdon done an amazing job, and it's a wrap. Is is just a, just the event of the year, and also more seriously, what what we're the situation we're at the moment, Beck Two, and what Beck Two are doing for us, and how is slowly beginning to work i mean they've got an uphill struggle in working with because being part of the sort of back to committee um it is an uphill struggle and i think a lot of people don't realize what the union do and mm. they're no longer a sort of incredibly powerful union because they've been it's been the unions have been destroyed but what they do have and what they what they are able to do is put our voice forward and if people just were to get to if people just get together join the union and work together as, as, a, as a group we can achieve so much and we have achieved so much through through Bexu for ADs and for all the crews over the last few years to try and push things forward um, but it is something we have to do it is there for us it's not it's not there for itself but, you know the union is the union is unable to do anything unless people join it um, yeah. and you know they're not there to do things that we don't instigate you know it's up to us to tell them what we need to do it's up to, up to us to get the community together to work strongly together so that we can actually achieve something through through the union we can't just sit around our asses hoping the union will do something for us because they can't they don't have that mandate they only have a mandate if we join mm. they only have a mandate if we all pull together and if we all stay together 
and they've done they work tirelessly through this and they're doing so much through through for the covid thing it's uh it's quite amazing and what they've done before that is is astounding so um yeah they're doing a great job so i think as usual my um my uh, two shout outs go to having a damn good time with Gordon de Fresnes and dancing until three in the morning and having a gas and actually seriously, you know, pulling together as a team and uh, working under back to, I think it's two great things to do. Amazing. Well, uh, we'll leave it there. Ladies and gents, an amazing chat with an amazing man. I told you, we're going to fucking have a great time listening. Um, any questions, hit me up. Um, subscribe share send it out to your friends and family anyone that you think would just love to hear this so until we meet again ladies since that is a wrap so that was a chat with the king or queen in the game i give it a shout at the end so you all know the name it's the film gods podcast the what the film god podcast